scottsjwellfire.com, Final Days Report, episode 287. Really, this is a Bible study, and it's a continuation of Final Days Report, episode 286, where we talk about the bloodlust of prophecy being fulfilled and the improper timing teaching of the Gog and Magog War, otherwise known as the Ezekiel 38 and 39 War. The timing, in my humble opinion, and we're going to go through every verse of Ezekiel 38 and 39, is just being butchered. It's absolutely being butchered. And the bloodlust to attack Iran, to attack Russia, is over the top. We need to pray for peace. We need to pray for the wicked governments to be exposed on all sides. We need to pray that people get saved. I mean, this is just insanity. So stick with it. I'm going to prove that probably the majority of your favorite teachers are butchering it. And I think this is just what they teach in seminary school personally. Let's go for the jugular, my friends. Ezekiel 38, verse 11. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. Is Israel an unwalled village? And I go to them that are at rest. Is Israel at rest that dwells safely? All of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates to take spoil. That's the first thing mentioned to take spoil. If you wanted to take spoil, you would probably attack China. Um, you would attack the United States and to take a prey and to turn thy hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. Last I check, I don't think Israel is this massive cattle producer. I mean, good night, my friends. And so where is the only other place that the Bible mentions Gog and Magog? Well, it's Revelation 20, and it's during the millennial reign of Christ. Let's read. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. So after Christ comes back, the second coming, Christ is going to rule and reign for a thousand years. But at that thousand year marker, it's going to be when Satan, Lucifer, is allowed to deceive the nations again. And we're going to get into why I find it kind of interesting. So let's continue reading. Until the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosened a little season. And I saw the thrones and they that sat upon, upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark, the Antichrist mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. So people, people will die in the, millennial reign of Christ, the thousand year reign of Christ. And again, it's called the thousand year reign of Christ because after a thousand years, Satan is loosened to deceive the nations again. For Christ's glory is why. Let's continue. But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. There are actually two resurrections. 
the people that die in the thousand years, this is their first resurrection. And then obviously before Jesus Christ comes, and I think, and I'm a post-trib rapture guy, the dead in Christ shall rise first when Jesus comes back and those that are alive shall be caught up. That is our first resurrection. So there are two resurrections, my friends, and those that are beheaded will rule and reign with Christ along with other believers. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, get this, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison again, a little repetitive and shall go out and deceive the nations, nations, which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog to gather them together to battle who Gog and Magog. And the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about the beloved city, Jerusalem. And fire came down from God out of heaven and he devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. So this is different than the pit where the beast and the false prophets are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So you have to ask the question, is Israel this unwalled safe place? And I've heard some excuses that, well, there needs to be another war and then they're going to take down all the, the walls and they're just going to live safely. We're going to prove that that's really nonsense as we really dive deep into the scripture. But let's continue Ezekiel 38 from the start. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal and prophesy against him and say, thus saith the Lord, behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth in all thine army horse, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords." What's fascinating is when you get into Ezekiel 38 and 39, God's just going to wipe them out and provide seven years of firewood. They're not going to have to go to the woods to collect firewood. And another important point, if you really unlock the millennial reign, it's going to be simple. Uh, most people appear to be, they'll be farmers. The primary transportation appears to be horses. So they're going to have this great gift where they don't even have to go work to cut down firewood. They're not burning down as we get into it. They're not burning down tanks and metals for seven years. No, it's a blessing. They have firewood easily picked up and easily burnt in their homes. So you need to think about this today. If all of a sudden this happened with horses coming down and weapons where there's just a tremendous amount of wood, would the people of Israel take the wood and use it for firewood? Absolutely not. This happens as Revelation 20 said, said in the millennial reign. But let's continue. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya, with them, all of them, with the shield of helmet, Gomar and all his bands in the house of Tagomar and North Quarters and all his bands and many people with thee, be thou prepared and prepare for thyself, though in all company that are assembled unto thee, and thou 
a guard unto them, and be thou a guard unto them. After many days thou shalt be visited. In latter years, latter years, I've heard a lot of people say, well, these are the end of the day, end, end of days, the latter years. I mean, this, this is truly talking about the latter years when Satan is loosened after a thousand years, because God's word will always be around. And that really took me back as well, once I unlocked that. In the latter years, thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Let's read verse eight again. After many days, thou shalt be visited. In the latter years, thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword. When you think about this, Luke 21 talks about how people of Jerusalem will fall by the sword. There'll be a remnant that will be saved. And many of them will be taken captive to all the nations. Now, the key question is, if this happens in the last three and a half years of the tribulation where Jerusalem falls and then God miraculously saves them and many are saved, people crawl out, cry out, Jesus, 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 and he'll come back and save a ton. That's just Bible. But those that were captured, I wonder if they come to Christ because I wonder if they really have to take the mark of the beast because they're not buying or selling their captives. And if they give themselves to Christ, right, and are caught up, they will be in the millennial reign being in this land. This promised land will be given to them. It's fascinating, my friends, because a lot of people with all of these different philosophies, when Gog and Magog says it's going to be a war after Satan is loosened, they can't remember or they're not thinking that Israel is going to be put in multiple nations. And it's Luke 21. We'll actually potentially get to it. Gathered many of the people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but is brought forth out of the nations. So Luke 21, people from Israel will be sent to all nations. Many will be saved. Jesus comes back, restores the earth the way he does it. And I'm sure there'll still be some healing time. And people will live that put their faith in him, that remnant in the promised land. It's like a glove, my friends. It's kind of borderline brilliant if you think about it, how the Bible's written. And this land waste probably is right after seal four, if you think about it as well. You know, the six trumpet war, even though Revelation nine, when you really read through it, it's about plagues. But there's definitely going to be war in the end of days. So the land that is laid waste. Let's continue. Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land. Thou and all thy bands and many people with thee. So this is talking about Gog and Magog coming down. And ascend. At first I was thinking, is this like UFO technology? No. Really, when you get into 38 and 39, these are horses. This is simple warfare. And it fits other scripture as well about not learning war that we'll get into. Thus saith the Lord, it shall come to pass that at the same time shall come into thy mind. Thou shalt think of an evil thought and thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. Israel is so walled. 
And I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. I just don't see them tearing down these walls, my friends, ever. To take a spoil and to take a prey and to turn thy hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations. They're going to be gathered out of the nations in Luke 21. And many will be saved, and then they'll live in the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand years, in the promised land, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba and Dedan, the merchants of Tarish, with young lions thereof, hanging out with lions, shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Now, this is interesting. Art thou come to take a spoil? It's like, what? Are you, are you trying to do war? Because they don't know war during the millennial reign. I found this fascinating. Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, thus saith the Lord God, in that day when my people of Israel dwell safely, shalt thou not know it. And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. So this will be horses, right? Burning for firewood, the weaponry. It's going to be very rudimentary weapon systems. It's pretty fascinating, my friends. Unwalled villages at rest. Take the main reason it appears to me to be greed as the motive. I love this. Are you here to take a spoil? Fascinating, my friends. Let's continue. And thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. So there'll be a ton of people. It shall be in the latter days. I always thought in the latter days, this meant end of days uh, before. Before Jesus' second coming. This is when this is the real latter days when Satan is loosened after a thousand years. And I will bring thee against my land that the heathen may know me, because not everybody in the millennial reign, even though Christ is there, will be believers. And I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. So this has to happen for scripture to be fulfilled in Revelation 20. Thus saith the Lord, Art thou he of whom I have spoken in old time by my servants, the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them, and it shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord, that my fury shall come up in my face, for my jealousy and in fire of my wrath hath I spoken surely in that day, there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the field and all creepy things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth, the earth will be repopulated in the millennial reign, shall shake at my presence and the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. Now, letting the Bible define the Bible, when I was reading this, I'm like, man, this sounds exactly like the book of Revelation, what's going to happen before the second coming. But then when you put this in context, 
that people are living safely in Jerusalem, right? They're living safely. And God takes them all out. He doesn't let anybody die by the sword. That happens in Luke 21. He doesn't let anyone be prisoners from Israel, from Jerusalem, to every nation. This has to be in the millennial reign. And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. So they're going to fight against each other that are coming to destroy Israel. And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood. It's God's playbook, right? And I will reign upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him, an overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself. And I will be known in the eyes of many nations. There'll be nations in the millennial reign and they shall know that I am the Lord. Preach it. <laughs> right? I find this interesting, too, to fulfill uh, scripture in 1 Corinthians, verse 15. Christ rules in the midst of his enemies. Then cometh the end. This is the real end. And when she shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all the enemies under his feet. This is why they need to loosen Satan for the second time. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And then it goes on to talk about the new Jerusalem coming down with God on the mountain. I mean, it's very nuanced. It's very nuanced. So there's no way, in my humble opinion, that Ezekiel 38 and 39 is part of Daniel's 70th week. It just doesn't make any sense because the... Israelites are living in peace. No unwalled villages. And then all of a sudden, Luke 21, Jerusalem is surrounded. Abomination of desolation, three and a half years. The times the Gentiles come in, all of Israel will be saved. Not sure if I'm the only one with this point of view. I tried to see if somebody could really describe this, how I'm describing it. And I'm sure I'm just missing them. Let's get into Ezekiel 39. It's a little bit repetitive, but then some more context. Therefore, thou son of man, prophesies against Gog and say, thus saith the Lord, behold, I am against the Ogag, Ogag, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee, and will, see, and will cause thee to come up from the north parts and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. I think these are people that just be saved. The one six people will be like, well, Jesus is saved, is who he says he is. I repent and I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand and will cause thy arrows to fall thy right hand. And thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and thy bands and thy people that is with thee. And I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort and to the beast of the field to be devoured. Thou shalt fall upon the open field. I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. And I will send fire on Magog and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Actually, maybe the one six of them will not be saved because he's going to send fire on Magog. 
So I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people, Israel, and I will not let them pollute my holy name any more. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Behold, it is come and it is done, saith the Lord. This is the day whereof I have spoken. Fascinating, my friends. So the purpose of this happening is to show that Jesus Christ is Lord, to make his holy name known to other people as well. And again, Satan will be loosed out of prison. He shall go out to see the, deceive the nations, which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. Battle. War. Unless they're going to go to battle with no weapons, then it's going to be a kung fu fistfight. No, they have weapons, my friends. They will have weapons in the millennial reign. We'll talk about that as well with Scripture. Simple weapons. And that is why we're going to talk about scripture on how they will burn them for seven years. And the the number seven is complete. It is finished. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers and the bows and the arrows and the hand staves and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire for seven years. Why? It's not because they're nuclear or toxic can't really burn metal. So they would take no wood out of the field. This would be a simple lifestyle, agriculture-based lifestyle. Neither cut down any out of the forest because they have their firewood. Let's read the, verse 10 again. They're going to burn this these wooden weapons for seven years. The number seven is complete. Verse 10, so that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any out of the forest for they shall burn the weapons with fire and they shall take the spoil. Those that spoil and they shall spoil those that spoiled them and rob those that rob them, saith the Lord. So they're going to be given this amazing gift of wood. So they don't have to go and cut down trees or take wood from the fields. It's going to be a very simple agriculture lifestyle. And my understanding with reading Old Testament scripture and some of the prophecies, they're going to travel via horses. Simple, simple lifestyle, which I think is wonderful. They're not going to be burning tanks for seven years. No way. Let's continue Ezekiel 39. All right, we're going verse by verse. Ezekiel 39. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will give unto Gog a place there of graves in in Israel, the valley of passengers on the east of the sea. And it shall stop the noses of passengers, probably will stink. And there shall they bury Gog and all his multitude. And they shall call it the valley of Hamagog. In seven months, number seven again, complete, shall the house of Israel be bearing of them, that they may cleanse the land. Yea, all the people of the land shall bury them, and it shall be in them a renowned the day that I shall be glorified, saith the Lord. So again, this whole thing is about Jesus Christ being glorified. He's going to be ruling and reigning within his temple. And they shall sever out men of continual employment. There'll be employment in the millennial reign. Passing through the land to bury with the passengers those that remain upon the face of the earth to cleanse it. 
after the end of seven months shall they search. So seven months again is completion, the number seven. And the passengers that pass through the land, when they any seeth a man's bone, then shall he set up a sign by it till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Hamagog. And also the name of the city shall be Hamana. Thus shall they cleanse the land. Now here's where it gets interesting. This is going to be the final sacrifice. So if you think about the Old Testament, they sacrificed animals. New Testament, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And the final sacrifice, the final sacrifice is going to be the animals get to eat. The wicked ones. And thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord, speak unto every feathered fowl and to every beast of the field. Assemble yourself and come gather yourself on every side to my sacrifice. And I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel, that ye may eat flesh and drink blood. It's talking to the animals. Ye shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, and of goats, of bullocks, all of them fatlings of Bashan. So they probably brought these animals to feed the army. And ye shall eat fat till ye be full and drink blood till ye be drunken of my sacrifice, which I have sacrificed for you. He's talking to the animals. Thus ye shall be filled at my table with horses and chariots, with the mighty men, with the with all the men of war, saith the Lord God. And I will set my glory among the heathen, and all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed and my hand that I have laid upon them. Pretty fascinating, my friends. Then Ezekiel 39, when you start to get into this a little bit deeper, some pastors will think this is going back to present time, but let's just read this and see if we can decipher it. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord God from that day and forward. This, to me, seems like it's still in the millennial reign. And the heathen shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity, right? The Bible will always be around, even in the millennial reign, because they trespassed against me. Therefore, hid I my face from them and gave them into the hand of their enemies. So fell they all by the sword, according to their uncleanliness and according to their transgressions, have I done unto them and hid my face for them. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, now I will bring again the captivity of Jacob and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel and will be jealous for my holy name. So this sounds like now it's going back into the time that they are in. After that, they have borne their shame and all their trespasses, whereby they have trespassed against me. And when they dwelt safely in their land, none made them afraid. And when I brought them again from the people and gathered them out of their enemies' land, and I sanctified in them in sight of many nations, then shall they know that I am the Lord God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. But I've gathered them into their own land and left none of them anymore there. Think about this. If we put this on a futuristic standpoint, not necessarily what happened in Babylon, if it's a futuristic standpoint, they're going to be captured. People that are going to be alive are going to see people of Israel being captive. And then those that survive the millennial reign, they'll be, earth will be repopulated. 
not everybody will be saved, even though Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning with an iron fist. At the end of the thousand years, Satan will be loose and he'll just go south, right? And people will sit back and they're like, man, we were kicked out of our land twice. Fits like a glove. And we were brought back to our land, legitly brought back to our land after a war, after being kicked out of the promised land. It's fascinating, my friends. But I've gathered them onto their own land and have left none of them any more there. Neither will I hide my face any more from them. For I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord. This to me, right? The Holy Spirit comes after Jesus Christ was crucified. So his spirit is going to be poured out after he was crucified and some were blinded, others will not, but all of Israel will be saved when the times of the Gentiles will come in. And the word in, I think it's Romans 11 says partially blinded. So a remnant will be saved accordingly. So hopefully this makes sense. Now, this is not to say that Israel will not be in war. You have the Psalm 83 war. Not all scholars agree, but you have some common enemies, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Palestine, Lebanon, Egypt, and Asaph, who wrote this psalm, was a prophet. But I think more importantly, you have Isaiah 17, where, where Damascus is flat out ruined. And ultimately, we've covered this before, Zechariah 14, that fits Luke 21. So even though... And then also you have the seal two potentially and seal four, which is world war three, which I think will be the key. You're going to see the bear subdued. That's Russia. You're going to see the lion UK, the leopard EU, and probably the United States that comes out of the lion subdued for this one world government. Then armies of the world will surround Israel, Jerusalem, the Bible says. So you're going to see it. That's going to be a key sign. When you start to see armies surrounding Jerusalem, get out. Because that's going to be the abomination of desolation where the Antichrist will call himself God. Hopefully a blessing, my friends. One of the things when I was doing the study, no weapons will be in the millennial reign. That's what I was thinking. But then going back to Revelation 20, it says, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. So just thinking there, unless it's a fist fight, a kung fu fight, there'll be some sort of weapons, right? We know Israel is defenseless, and God starts this war with the hook in their mouth, and Satan shall be the one that deceives. But then it just took me to Isaiah chapter 2. I wanted to go back and say, what exactly does Isaiah chapter 2 say? But let's read, it shall come to pass in the last days, and this is really the last days after the millennial reign where Satan is loosened, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. 
for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. I'm like, wait a minute, this whole story contradicts itself. But then if you think about it, when the new Jerusalem comes down, it's going to sit on many mountains. And so could this be, when you look up, and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. Let's read Revelation 21. And he carried me away in the spirit to the great and high mountain, showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven, having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone clear as crystal. And had a wall great and high and had 12 gates and at the gates, 12 angels and the names were written there on, which were the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Just interesting, my friends. Nation no longer fighting nation. When Jesus is in control, Satan shall deceive building weapon system systems, you know, rudimentary weapons. But could this also be talking about when it's really finally over, when Christ finally wins?